Well, our speaker tonight is an exceptionally beautiful woman of God. And I mean, of course, you can see that. But on the inside, um, she's been a great supporter, cheerleader, encourager in my life for many, 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 many years. And she has so much wisdom and such a mom's heart. And I just want to introduce you. This is Karina, y'all. Thank you. That was so awesome, Domily. Thank you for sharing. It was good. Really good. So proud of you. She's going on another trip, so go visit her at the back table after the service, and you can buy some things for her next trip to Nicaragua, right? Brazil. Brazil. I, okay, I got them mixed up. Yes, to Brazil. Um, so, hi. <laughs> Beautiful faces. And my handsome son in the front row, Josiah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I wanted to um, start with a testimony. I thought I wanted to share a few things because Todd and I haven't gotten to share this yet. But um, most of you know we are youth pastors and we also have a young adult group. And so we've just been having such a great time with both of those groups. And um, maybe about a month ago, we had a young girl come to our youth group. And she, um, she was Hindu, and she'd never had any exposure to God. Um, but she came, and she was hesitant at first. But um, I, I wasn't sure what she was going to think. She looked a little uncomfortable during the worship time. But as the night went on, um, she was really starting to receive, especially when we were doing it. We, for all the newcomers, we do encouraging words for them so they could just feel really welcomed and valued. So we did that for her. And um, it was a really good night, and at the, I, wasn't, I still wasn't quite sure what she thought, but by the end, she came to me in tears, and she was so, God really, really touched her, and she said, you know, I never thought I would say this, I can't believe this is actually coming out of my mouth, but I feel like I am connecting more with your Jesus than all of my other gods. Um, yeah. And um, she went on to say, I've never felt like I belong anywhere. I never feel like I matter. Um, I, I know I'm carrying so much pain inside, but I've never been able to really share that before. Um, so she, she had tears streaming down her face, and God really touched her. So that was, that was really encouraging. She's a sweetheart. Um, and then, let's see, we've, uh, our young adult group has been great. Hello, some of you I see out there. Um, it's been growing, and kids are hearing about it and showing up all the time over there. Um, so, and we welcome young people from all walks of life, all religions. We have um, a young man who recently, he's Muslim, and he's been afraid to share some, with some of the others, but he recently shared with the whole group because we have this pepperoni and testimony night. We do that every other month where we have pizza, and then everyone kind of shares their story. And so he said, this is my night to share and to see how I'm received. So he, he shared, you know, I'm from a Muslim background, and, um, but I feel family. I feel, feel welcome here. And um, not, not quite ready to receive Jesus, but um, his friend was telling him, you know, what you see in each of them is really Jesus. Um, the love you feel from them, the connection you feel, and 
So he was able to receive that a little bit more, and he said, oh, that, that makes a lot of sense. So uh, it's been really encouraging, and um, we, we are so grateful for what God's doing and all the testimonies we're hearing in all of your lives and how God's moving and just as we love and we don't judge and our, our, we don't have any agenda but to open up our home and, and to um, create a safe place. So for those that you, of you that don't know, we call it Refuge, and that is our Refuge High School, Refuge Young Adults. And um, it, ha- it really has become a refuge for a lot of people, and we're, we're very grateful. So I wanted to share that because you're family. So if you know any young people, send them our way Monday nights, youth group. That's high school. Thursday nights is uh, young adultish, uh, 18 through 20s, something like that. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, so I'm going to share a little bit as soon as I can figure this out. I don't know. Can you turn this on, honey? can't figure this out. Um, I'm going to share a little bit about how we can uh, stay committed to the course in front of us. And whatever that looks like, whatever that is for you, um, maybe it is being a mom, maybe it is, you know, the calling that you feel uh, God's put in your life, or whatever it looks like, whatever is in front of you right now, um, your marriage, and how to stay steady, and when obstacles come our way, uh, how we can do that, how we can keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And I appreciate Bill. Don't you appreciate prophetic people? Yeah, I do. Because he, he said to me, I feel like what you're going to speak is for, I can't remember how you worded it, that it's, it's going to be for me. He said it more eloquently than that, but that it was going to be for me. And it's actually really true because I am really needing to encourage myself lately in what um, I feel God's put in front of me. So whatever I'm going through, I feel like I'm in the middle of it. So I want to encourage you also. So um, I'm going to talk about Nehemiah. And it's, it's interesting because Bill also mentioned rebuilding the walls. You know, walls can divide, but walls can also be there as a place to protect. And also, um, you know, there is a restoration that's happening. So very prophetic tonight, Bill. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm going to talk about Nehemiah. So um, you can turn there or not, but I'm just going to give you a little background. So he had a plan to rebuild the Jerusalem's fallen walls so the people would be protected from the plunderers. He discussed his plans with the king, not only who approved of them, but appointed him Judah's governor. When he arrived at Jerusalem with the army officers and letters from the king, he discovered right away that the Israelites' enemies were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Nehemiah's response, he didn't try to win them over. The enemies opposed his goals, but instead, in the middle of the night, he examined the ruins with a few trusted men. He told no one there what he was up to until he knew exactly what needed to be done and how. And then that prevented the critics from coming in and stopping the project before it even started. So he gives his encouraging speech to the Israelites by sharing how God's hand had been with him so far. They respond with, yes, let's do this. But as soon as the work began, the enemies mocked and ridiculed Nehemiah and the workers. And in chapter 4, they say, 
what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think that they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day just by offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? That stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. They were very critical, weren't they? And um, so they tried to intimidate the Israelites by claiming they were incompetent and threatened trouble if they kept going. But then, Nehemiah uh, chapter 2, verse 20, he says, The God of heaven will help us succeed. And he did. So um, I love this story. There's more to it, but... Um, I just wanted to give you a little uh, background there and to show just how when we are going after something God's called us to, there's the voices, there's the criticism, um, and it's always going to be there. Sometimes the criticism is in our own mind, um, but it sometimes can be outward too. So we can all relate to feeling opposition at times when we are doing what we feel God's told us to and the dreams he's put in our heart. And some of these are external, but I think a lot of times they're internal and they are, you know, lie within our own heart. And so much of it lies within our thought life. And those are probably the biggest obstacles. But um, the tendency for all of us is to, well, I'll speak for myself, to want to throw in the towel when we hit resistance and when things get hard. We don't like pain. We don't like to be uncomfortable. We want everything to be easy. That's kind of our culture. Everything should come nice and easy. We shouldn't have to work for things too much. But unfortunately, the best things worth having do require um, some intentionality and some work. So this is going to be one of those messages that you're going to be like, oh, gosh, why can't you give me the easy one? But this is what... (laughs) Okay. This is what I felt um, Holy Spirit saying to talk about tonight. But Jesus gave us this unmovable, this same spirit to push through when things get hard, especially when it's, you know, when it's him saying, go after this. And to keep our eyes on the prize, to keep our eyes on him, steady and unwavering. And we each have that. We each, he's each given us that spirit of might on the inside to keep our eyes fixed on him and knowing what's on the other side, things that are worth having. So we're going to talk about um, courage to face the giants in your life. And um, building, I call it an endurance muscle. I know that's not a real thing. But there is, you know, certain people you see, they have that resilience and that that they really tapped into Jesus' strength and able to keep going as the giants come their way. And I'm always so inspired by people like that. I, I want to sit under them and, and receive from them and hear their stories. So um, I'm going to share for a minute about my own times of disappointment. And um, real quickly, um, so... I've shared my testimony a lot. Um, Specifically, my high school years were pretty rough. But during those times, I was really withdrawn, and um, I was experiencing lots of abuse from a boyfriend. And I was labeled the shyest senior. (laughs) And um, I was very quiet, so I wasn't really shy. I was more... uh, I was being abused, and I really didn't know how to relate to people. I didn't know how to talk to people, so people assumed I was just shy and withdrawn. Um, 
once Jesus came to me when I was 18 and things started to change and I didn't grow up in church and discovered, wow, Christians and how we, the, my first church experience was great. Todd's dad was the pastor, a sweet little Baptist church, and we were a family. It was such a great place to grow and to learn about who I am and who God is in a very safe place. But, as you know, not, not, um, no, not everyone is safe. So anyway, as we moved on, um, we moved to Missouri, we moved to Texas, we felt God calling us to those places, we eventually came back here. But during that time was extremely painful. Uh, it felt like a very long wilderness time. I didn't really know how to cling on to Jesus. I didn't know how to cling on to him very well during difficult times. So I, I remember a lot of times just feeling like I'm just holding on for dear life. And we had two amazing kids, and thankfully they turned out wonderful. Um, Sierra was up here, if you don't know. She was up here singing tonight, and yeah. I like to brag on my kids because I think they're amazing. And, and the father boasts on Jesus all day, and I boast on my kids, and they're awesome. So, um, but yeah, it was difficult times. Uh, so I kind of went back into that hiding place that I knew really well. That's that safe place that's not really safe, but is the only thing I knew how to do. Um, so I retreated a whole lot. And I thought, oh, Christians, my goodness. I didn't know Christians could be so mean. I thought they were supposed to be all so nice and loving. And, um, of course, it was a lot of my own stuff, too, uh, so I take responsibility there. But, um, you know, there was just a lot of hurt in the church. And um, I felt very disillusioned. And I felt like, I, I really don't want to do ministry. I don't want, really want to trust anyone and be in a church family because it's too painful. Um, and I know many of you can relate to that. And so that's why it's so brave that you're here and you're choosing to love and choosing to um, risk being in relationship because you have been hurt. So I applaud you for that. Um, so anyway, I, I really did retreat a whole lot and kind of went back into that place. And I realized, you know, this is really no place to live. Um, I don't want to live like that. We we moved back to the Bay Area, and some healing had started to happen after a while. And um, especially after we came to Blazing Fire, that was probably 13 years ago. I'm so bad with time frames. It was a while ago. Um, and I remember still feeling like, let me hide. And I've shared this before, too, that when we came to Blazing Fire, I would hide in the back row, and I would... We stayed until two or three during those times, because we would have these kitchen revivals, and everyone would bring food, and we'd all hang out and party together and have a good time with Jesus together. And Todd was really great about connecting with people and getting to know others, and I was still like, I don't trust anybody. <laughs> and, um, okay, here's where I'm going to be honest. I would lay in the back row, and I would pretend like I was sleeping so no one would talk to me. <laughs> don't talk to me. Don't look at me. I'm not here. <laughs> but people kept... Not pushing, but kept loving me, and I slowly decided, oh, maybe people are trustworthy after all. These guys aren't so bad. 
And I remember early on, we're at Good News Fellowship, and Chris Vallotton came to speak, and I really didn't know who he was. Um, and he pulled me aside and started prophesying over me. And he said, you're, gonna, you're like Esther, and God's going to show you off, and all these other things. God, you're, God's going to use you. And I remember thinking, shut up. Don't talk to me. Who are you? <laughs> False prophet, who are you? I really felt that way. Um, And we know he is not. He is incredible, very prophetic, loving, safe man. But I did not want to be out in the front anymore. It was too scary. I wanted to keep hiding. Uh, There was just too much disappointment. Uh, So anyway, over time, as you know, or as you can obviously see, because now I'm standing here in front of you, that I've come out of hiding. But it it took a lot of love and a lot of um, trust, and, you know, I've felt really disappointed and hopeless, and not like I still don't feel that way at times, because I do. (laughs) But um, I decided, you know what, I am not going into hiding anymore. There is just far too much that God has for me and for my family. Uh, I'm going to keep choosing to love as scary as it is and keep moving forward. Um, so I want to encourage some of you that keep feeling that that tendency to want to retreat back to that safe place that, that it feels safe, that God has so much more for you and it's so worth it. And yes, that doesn't mean we're not going to get hurt again but um, or that it's not going to be hard, but He's so near to you, and he's so safe and so loving. And what he has for you on the other side is so worth it. It's so worth it. So I want to talk about just some of the things that Nehemiah faced and how it kind of relates to us. And one of them is intimidation. Um, His enemies tried to use intimidation to get him to back down. And intimidation really is false power. It is... Um, people that try to intimidate use anger and bullying to attempt you to to get you to shut down, especially you notice if you're trying to work through a relational conflict and someone tries to use intimidation to get you to shut down. Um, So I like to talk about these things to just get it out there because I feel like when we really face that thing head on, that God will really move on our behalf and... um, when we have the courage to face those giants. So that's what intimidation is. But, you know, really people that use intimidation, it's really they're just so scared on the inside. They're just a scared little boy, scared little girl. They're not that mean. They're not a big monster. So And they're not the enemy at all. So it's important we recognize this voice. And sometimes, um, you know, it's the enemy. We can hear that voice trying to get us to cower down and learn how we can respond to it. Um, I remember probably, uh, this was maybe a year ago, one time that I spoke here. Um, as soon as I was done, this man came up to me who I hadn't really seen before. Uh, he says, you know, women are not supposed to be speaking in the church. <laughs> he was in the wrong church. <laughs> I just... I looked at him. I didn't get offended. I didn't. I wasn't even bothered, really. I looked at him, and I said, oh, well, I just did. <laughs> so, I mean. 
bless him, bless him. But, you know, it, we can easily choose offense. Like, how dare he say that? And just, and, I, and nothing, I mean, there have been times that people's words stung me so much that it took me down for a while. But once we discover who we really are, we can look that thing in the face and say, oh, really? Okay, well, bless you. And, and not allow it to, to sting. So it's kind of, it was funny. Bless him, God. Um, so then and another thing, another obstacle I want to talk about is criticism. So Nehemiah's enemy stood on the sidelines saying, who do you think you are? Your plan will fail. So I want to talk about um, the difference between criticism and wise counsel. So because we, we really do need wise counsel in our life. But criticism will stand there and say, you know, there's this problem and this problem, but then they don't want to help you. They don't want to offer any solution. And then wise counsel is someone who can survey the land, who can access, okay, here's the damage, and then let's come up with a solution. Let's come up with a, come up with a remedy for you. And I want to encourage all of you, no matter how old you are, to have people in your life who will help you through that, who will, who you know are for you, who will help you see your blind spots, because we actually all have blind spots, even, you know, the most anointed whatever person. We have areas that we can't always see, but if you have someone in your life who you know loves you and trusts you, um, you'll welcome that in your life. And it's so important, because we need each other. We do. Um, so I like this scripture. I'm taking a teeny bit of a trail here, but this is Psalm 139, verse 23 through 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So that is, I love that scripture, actually, because I love that David submitted his thought life to God. He says, you know, God, I don't always see the whole picture, and I probably still have areas that I need healing, so point out anything in me that isn't lining up with your word. So I encourage you to invite wise counsel in your life, whatever your, your um, God's put in front of you, whatever your course is, um, whatever your path is, to invite those ones into your life. But sometimes the voice of criticism is internal. Actually, I think most of the time it's more internal, that that pestering voice that keeps telling you, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. Um, And so we we could be so hard on ourselves. I can be hard on myself, but I'm definitely growing, growing in that area. But I think for a lot of us, we tend to spotlight our weaknesses and those areas that we are still growing in and our shortcomings. And then we shame those parts of ourselves and say, you know, you really need to pull it together. You should be further along by now. So I want to encourage you to just be more aware of what's going on in the that self-talk, and um, because so much of it really is inside, and it's really damaging to your spirit. It's damaging to your heart. It actually breaks the Lord's heart because he sees us so differently, and um, so uh, I want to encourage you guys to give yourself lots of grace and kindness and practice doing that because you can only give out what you have yourself. And that, we are a church, we are a people that want to continually give grace and kindness, but it has to start with us. 
So keep loving yourself. Pay attention to those, those um, words you're saying over yourself. And if it's something you really struggle with, I want to encourage you to really practice saying positive declarations over yourself. And um, I want to challenge you with that. So paying attention to those, the voice of criticism, whether it's outside or inward. And, um, yeah, and, and two, when you do feel like you're hearing, whether it's your family members or other people criticizing what, what you're doing, I always say, well, I really want to hear from the people who are on the playing field and people who are doing the stuff. And, you know, a lot of times, especially with social media, I, I don't really know but I, uh, this personally, but I hear that there's a whole lot of bullying that goes on for people because they hide behind a computer screen and they, they will criticize and tear you apart if you don't think or whatever, say the same, think the way they do or whatever. Um, so I, I encourage you to listen to those ones that you trust. And the loudest voice usually is the voice of criticism, but um, allow people in your life who are actually doing the stuff. And if you notice, a lot of times people who are saying negative things are usually hiding behind the computer screen, and they're not actually even out there willing to put themselves out there doing the um, doing what God's put in front of them. So, yeah. Anyway. Okay, I will say that. I will. Um, so the other thing I want to mention and uh, talk about as we are moving forward in the dreams God's given us is fear. And I want to expose fear. Um, a lot of times what feels, uh, it feels like something is real really isn't. Uh, I always say it's false evidence appearing real. Um, but it, we need to get the voice of truth in our lives. And um, a lot of times that Goliath in the natural, um, you know, looks real big and scary. But I, honestly, I, I, I've never really been too uh, fearful of the things that maybe other people are. because Probably a lot of it is because where how I grew up because I had to be strong I have my fear mostly has been in my thought life but um a lot of so I grew up um kind of my parents divorced when I was young and my mom went back to work so I grew up in a tough neighborhood and I was always thinking I was so strong and bad and I really wasn't but um I felt like I had to be I remember um somebody breaking into our house and I was I came home at the time and I remember thinking oh no problem I'll take him down and <laughs> yeah, look at me I mean I got muscles and yeah right but um so I don't know there's just always something in me that's like yeah you try to try to mess with me um always wanting to protect my sisters and that sort of thing uh growing up in San Francisco spending half the time there at my dad's and going out on the streets by myself as a young girl and just not afraid, really, of, of stuff. And Okay, I'm going to just share this story because I love taking rabbit trails. But I remember even uh, the first time, we've been to Israel a few times, and the first time we went, Todd was interrogated by the Israeli police. <laughs> he, it was during um, the war with Lebanon or no? Yeah, it was maybe during the War of Lebanon. Maybe that was the second time. I don't remember. But there was just they were being a lot more cautious. 
And they pulled Todd aside. And I, I just remember thinking, oh, this is so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> he did too. I know. I know. I probably should. I'm not fear, but I probably should use more wisdom sometimes. Like, okay, this shouldn't be exciting. But <laughs> everything turned out okay. It was because he had a tattoo on, on his arm. It says Hefseba. And I guess they thought it said Hezbollah. Like, yeah, anyway. And then other things. But he was there for a while. He had guns pointed at him. And I, I don't know. I wasn't afraid. I felt like God's going to protect us. But okay. Anyway. Um, so yeah, a lot of my fears have been in my thought life and, um, I've, but I've also had to let go of that false strength where I really had to, I really did grow up, um, feeling like I needed to protect myself and learning, okay, Jesus, what does your protection look like? Even, um, as I do crazy things and go to Cambodia and there's, you know, traffickers staring you down. I'm like, yeah, I'm not afraid of you, but, um, I, but I'm really learning, okay, don't do anything in your own strength. Like, let Jesus be your protection. Um, so I'm still learning. But something that I appreciate that Pastor Brent said actually one time was, what is it you're afraid of? And it, it was such a simple message, I think, on fear. But I remember it impacted me so much because he talked about getting fear down to this size. And so I, I talk to people a lot about this. So young people, you probably heard me say this to you. What does fear look like? Get it right here in your hand. What am I really afraid of? Because the enemy will exaggerate and magnify your fears to where it feels like this huge Goliath, this thing you're facing when really we need to get it down to this. What are we afraid of? Well, I'm afraid that if I try something new, I'll fail. I'm afraid that if I pursue my dreams, the things I really want to do that God won't provide for me or I'm afraid if people really get to know me, they won't really like me. So when we can do that and get it, look at it like this instead of that big, scary monster that, you know, getting it down to this size, oh, okay, I can see truth because fear cripples you. And so much of the time people go years and years saying, I struggle with fear. I struggle with the fear of man. And it feels like this big, ambiguous monster out there that they'll never be able to um, overcome, but get it down to this size. Okay, God, what am I afraid of? And what's on the other side? What truth do you want me to know? And zero in on it because um, God wants to set you free. He wants to bring truth to your hearts. He doesn't want you to be held back anymore by these things that feel so big and scary. He's like, you're going to go after whatever it is I've called you to, and you're, you know, you're still going to need to hear my truth in it. And the majority of the time, I always say this, is you don't really, um, these things are going to come up as you step out. And um, he's going to bring healing. You don't know, um, you might not know, wow, I really am insecure until you actually step out and do that thing God's asked you to do. You don't know that, wow, I really struggle with, um, with fear. I really struggle with um, people-pleasing or whatever that is sometimes until you're in the fire, until you've chosen to get a little uncomfortable. But that's, that's where the healing lies. So don't feel like I don't have it all together because actually when you do step out, 
there's actually going to be more areas you need healing. So I know that doesn't sound very fun, but it, it's going to be worth it. It'll be good. It'll be good. Oh, I told the, the young adults uh, Thursday night, I was like, it's, it's like the hidden fault lines, you know, and then you don't know they're there until the pressure comes and then the earthquake happens and we get so upset at the earthquake. But really, let's look at those hidden fault lines. And sometimes, you know, pressure comes in our life and then we're like, oh, oops, I didn't know that was there. But that's like, God, yeah, I'm going to bring healing before the big earthquake happens in your life. Where am I? Okay. Hmm? Oh, <laughs> I said, where am I? And Todd said, you're at Blazing Fire Church. Yes, okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. So, and two, I, I tell the young people this a lot too, to not let fear dictate your decision-making um, because I, I have decided I'm not going to do that anymore and we really can't afford to. I really let fear dictate my decisions for a long time and, um, yeah, it's okay to be afraid, but don't make decisions when you're afraid. Let's just talk to God about it first. So let's see. how much Okay, I'm going to skip a few things. I want to say, too, that not every um, opposition that we face is the enemy. And sometimes it's easier to do that because then we can... Um, not take responsibility for our own pain or be challenged to grow. So we blame everything on the enemy. And the enemy is not that, um, doesn't hold that much authority in our lives. So uh, not everything is always is always the enemy or always outward. So um, God's really encouraging us, like I said, to keep keep asking him, okay, what areas do I need truth and healing? And take responsibility for it. Um, let him heal your heart. Be vulnerable with him, and it's, it's going to take courage, but it's going to be so worth it. It really is. So um, the other part of this is uh, the whole um, when we hit resistance. You know, so much of the time when we're doing something or, you know, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about your calling necessarily. I'm meaning relationships or your family, and you maybe hit resistance and you want to give up. Um, there's this thing called strength training. And strength training, in order to gain momentum, to move forward, we have to increase the weight. And so that's not picking up heavy burdens. That's not what that is or doing anything in our own strength because all of this, we can't do anything in our own strength. We might as well just give up now because it's, it's not going to be, it's going to be fruitless. But it means taking risks, take more risks um, choose courage over comfort, and all the while leaning on Jesus as your source. So um, I know I don't like being uncomfortable, and I don't like working out all that much because it hurts, and <laughs> it's not fun. I don't understand how people think it's fun, but I think <laughs> someday I could get there if I keep going. But, um, you know, we have this thing like I'm going to give up when it's hard, but really what we need to do is to... Um, increase the weight and to keep pushing through. So, yeah. Sounds so fun, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, But we can really choose whether we want to stay on the shore or we want to explore the ocean, and so much of it is on the other side. It's in the ocean. It's stepping out of the boat, stepping out of our comfort zone. 
whatever that looks like for you. I, I've told Todd this so many times that um, we have some things that we know God's asking us to do, and we have some dreams, and it's not it's nothing to do with us. It's because there's young people that are hurting, and God wants to touch them. And so there's, there's dreams in our heart that seem really impossible. And I've told him just the other day, wouldn't it be so nice if God would wave that magic wand and poof, everything happens, and there it is right in front of us. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, when we want inner healing, wouldn't it be nice? If Russ and Susan waved their magic wand over us and poof, you're, you're, you're magically healed and that would be so awesome. Or Jesus would do that, you know. And yes, there are the suddenlies. <laughs> there are that, there is that. Um, but whether it's our dreams, our relationships, so much of, of all of that, um, we have to decide to put time and intentionality in it and, and um, be invested in it and Yes, God is going to move mountains for us, and he's going to do things supernaturally for us. So don't hear that I'm saying do anything in your own striving or doing anything on your own in your own strength. But there is this thing that Jesus invites us into, and he's done so much for us on the cross. He's paid it all for us, and then he invites us into a participatory relationship with him, which is why all throughout scripture, he uses words like arise, sing, sing that song, do, um, set, set your mind on me. So he invites us with him and he has done it all for us. And our life here on the earth is um, getting to receive from him and loving, learning how to uh, receive his love and learning how to love each other well. And there is stuff on the earth that he wants to invite us into and to play with him. I think Paul Young says that, play. It's not about, you know, work or it's when you're passionate about something, it doesn't feel like work, does it? So um, there, is, there are some things God's asked us to do. And I've just decided, I think I've decided, now I'm going to accountable that I'm not going to say no based on fear anymore. I... I really want to partner with him, and I'm very passionate about seeing justice in so many areas on the earth, and we need it. We need him. We need him. We need him to break through, and I, I'm, like, I'm alive at this time for a reason, and I want to partner with you, God, and you guys do too, right? Yeah. Yes. Amen. So here's a scripture, uh, Philippians 3, 12 through 16 from the message. I'm not saying I have this all together, that I have it made, but I am well on my way reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal, those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. Ouch, okay. That I'm speaking to myself. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. I love that in the message. Let's stay on that track. And and we don't want anything less than all he has for us. 
each one of you, don't settle. Don't settle for anything less because of fear, because of intimidation, because of whatever that giant is. He has so much for each one of you. I'm looking out at you now, and I know some of you that I've talked to, you have dreams in your heart, and there's things that God has for you, and you've been disappointed in the past, but I'm telling you, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't settle for less. In Isaiah, it says, here I am, Lord, send me. I heard someone talking about this recently. Here I am, send me. And that a Hebrew word is used there, which means my answer is yes before you even ask. I don't know why that wrecks me so much, but it does. It's like I, my answer is yes, God, before you even ask me. I don't care what it is. My answer is yes because... I I want all of you, and I love you so much. I feel like he has done so much for me. He saved me from the pit. I should be dead, and I just want to give not out of duty or out of guilt, but I want to give my life to giving back and to loving other people. I don't want to miss out on that, and I know you guys don't either. So let your answer be, my answer is yes, Lord, before you even ask. That's a scary prayer, (laughs) that is like, I don't know what you're going to ask of me, but the answer is yes, God, because I'm not going to let things hold me back anymore. We can't, we can't afford to. Uh, not like, oh, it's like, so, I don't mean to be so intense or sound like, you know, I, I don't mean to sound so intense, but I, I really feel like we can't afford to. Uh, God has so much for, for us. I want you all to receive everything he has, all of his love, all of him. So it takes, resistance is going to come, you know. I, I hate to say, I, I told the kids this the other night, that I kind of wanted my parents to say, life is going to be hard, Karina. Life's not going to always be easy, but you're going to make it. Because we need to know that. Because things, challenges come. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And how are we going to respond but you're going to make it through. You have Jesus. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory on the inside of you. You're going to make it through. You're going to make it through. You are. And, you know, you need, it's like that birthing coach. I, I remember my kids were big, and it was hard, and there was no epidural, okay? Big babies, huge babies. And we didn't get, I didn't get painkillers or any of that stuff. Yeah, but I don't, I, I don't think it's wrong. If you, I wish, I actually wish I had. I was like, please, and they, it was too late. But anyway, I, I would have liked to know ahead of time, this is going gonna, gonna to be bad. But you're going to have these amazing kids, and they're, they're so worth it. So I, I don't like to tell young people, oh, life is so easy because... You are going to face those obstacles and those things, but you're going to make it. You're going to be okay. Come on, son. Come on, daughter. You're going to make it through to the other side. You have God. You have Jesus in you, and he's rooting for you so much more than I could. So here, when we hear the voice of intimidation, criticism, and fear, when you hear those voices, whether they're outward, whether they're that fear, that criticism is inward, you're going to recognize it. You're going to look at it in the face. You're going to say, Jesus, Father, I want your truth. What do you want me to hear about this? Receive his truth. And then we're going to press forward. Those things aren't going to take you down for years and years anymore. They're not. I, I, I'm saying this as a prophetic declaration that these things are not 
going to hold us back anymore. You know, some things feel like you're, you have to go all the way back to go. And it's so not true. It's like stepping off on the side of the road, pulling over for a minute. Yeah, okay, here's a little challenge, an obstacle I'm facing, but you're going to get right back on the road, and you're going to keep going. You're going to keep going. Um, you, have, you have it in you so much more than you realize. So I'm almost done. But the other thing I wanted to mention about Nehemiah was that he was invested in Jerusalem. He was fully invested in the people, and he wept over his city. He cared. He didn't just say, oh, I'm, I'm going to you know, complete this task and be very functional. He was so invested. He cared so much. And sometimes we focus so much on the what. And, and I have to I mean, I'm going to be the first to confess that at times the things, the dreams that I have in my heart almost can become the idol and the thing that like, oh, God, where are you? Why haven't you provided for this? Why haven't you done this yet? And I'm focused so much on that that I forget about the why. So we have to remember the why. Why? Why? Um, why has God put you in that job you're in? Why are you... Um, raising this family because they're your kids, I know, but, but why? What is your vision? What is your goal for your family? Why do you love Brazil so much? Why do you want to be a teacher? Why, why are you in that school? Why are you in this business? Um, why do you have this beautiful voice? What do you want? Why? Not, not the what. Um, so get back to that. Get back to your why and... Um, yeah, let, let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. So stand, let's go ahead and stand up and stretch. I like to get involved here. And you can um, receive however that looks like for you. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We say yes, God, before you even ask. We say yes. You, you don't have to say that if you're not ready. But I say yes, God, before you even ask. Because you paid it all for me. Why would I not want to partner with you? Why would I not want to go out and have fun with you and, and see you transform the world out there? It is so much fun with you. We say yes to you, Jesus. It is not a chore. It is not an obligation or a religious duty. We are so grateful that we get to partner with you, Jesus, and see change in the earth, to see our nation full of love, to see hope restored over our world. We thank you, Jesus, that we get to partner with you in that, and we say yes. And I want to pray for each person right now that has felt or heard the voice of intimidation criticism and fear and it has been so loud god would you come right now and very gently just as susan shared last week would you very gently whisper in our ears let us hear your voice what do we need to hear from you right now god what do you want us to know God, I ask that you would come and that um, this any place anyone's felt so disappointed and so hopeless and just felt like you are not moving in the timeline that they felt like was supposed to happen. God, would you come and restore hope right now? I pray that hope would rise up 
Thank you, Father. Thank you for faith. Thank you for faith. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. We don't have to muster it up. You've already done it for us, so we tap into the faith right now. And we say we, we believe. We trust you, God. Oh, Jesus. Thank you for softening our hearts. Thank you, Father, for softening our hearts. God, we say our hearts have become hardened in certain ways. Our hearts have become hardened because we haven't seen you show up. We've been too disappointed, and it's just felt safer to keep our heart hard. But God, well, that is no way to live. It is no way to live. We don't want to live like that anymore. We ask that you would come right now and tenderize and soften our hearts. The only way you can, God. You're so good, Jesus. And I ask, God, that you would um, just give each person courage. Thank you for the spirit of might to rise up on the each and inside of each person right now. You are, you are fierce. You have that fierce factor on the inside of you. And it's because of Jesus. It's not because of anything in your own strength. You're going to overcome those things because Jesus overcame the world. So whatever those giants look like in your life, Jesus has come already and demolished those things. So God, transform our thinking. Transform our hearts to line up with what you've already done, God. Thank you, God. And I pray. I feel like there's some of you that have really buried some things because it is just too painful to think about. It's, it hurts way too much. And I see Jesus gently lifting the rubble, gently removing some things and, and bringing those things back into the light. And he's saying, here, I want you to trust again, daughter. I want you to trust again, son. I'm I, I am a good God. I know you've been disappointed. I know you have your questions, but I want you to lay all those things to me. Sen- surrender all of those things. I feel like some of you really want a house, and you want a house of your own, and you felt like you're never going to get that. I, Father, the Father wants you to trust him again. Just lay all those things at his feet. He is so good. He's not holding anything back from you. Some of you have been waiting for a spouse, and you're like, where is my partner Hey, we have testimonies in our group. We've had three couples now who have met in our group, and they're getting married, or they've already gotten married. So anyway, I know we can't prophesy marriages, but I, I see God um, is speaking to your heart about those things. He, he wants what he, his desire for you is so much more than that desire that you've felt in your heart. He, he so wants these things for you. He's not holding back from you. I know that the timing just seems so off. But God is so outside of time, and he wants you to hope again and trust him. Yeah, so Jesus, we thank you. We love you. We say yes, God, to all you have for us. We, we thank you for what you've done for us, and we ask that you would um, just continually speak to our hearts about those things in our, in, inside that we have laid down. And um, I ask that you would breathe fresh life in Jesus' name. Amen. So, yeah, it's hot up here. There's a few things. So, parents, can you please go get your babies? And um, and then, so if we can also get help, I know we have a ministry team tonight, and I would really.